Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. And now, a word about the sponsor of our podcast, Anchor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That Anthro Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode with special guest Mackenzie Wade talking all things edible insects. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to follow and subscribe. We release weekly episodes at Wednesday, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And follow our Instagram at That Anthro Podcast for more details about the episode, background on guests, and just some fun content. Now, let me introduce this week's guest, Mackenzie Wade. Mackenzie graduated from Kansas State undergrad and has a master's in international cultural heritage management and is currently working on her PhD at UCSB with advisor Dr. Holly, where she is researching edible insect production. She also has created an Instagram, Santa Barbara Bugs, as a community space where locals to Santa Barbara can learn, discover, and share about the wonderful world of edible insects. This episode is one that I was so excited to record because this was one of the first ever episodes I dreamed of for the podcast when I was introduced to Mackenzie's work in my environmental anthropology class, for which she was a TA. I was introduced to an article on the sustainability and production of edible insects as a food source And as someone who myself chooses to abstain from consuming meat for environmental reasons, as well as personal reasons, I thought this was something edible insects and incorporating insects into the American diet as a more sustainable alternative was something I had never even considered. And I think it's something so fascinating that needs to be shared. So without further ado, welcome Mackenzie Wade. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Gabby. I'm really excited that you started this. I'm excited to be one of your guests. Oh, I'm so glad. My first question is, I've been dying to ask you this, is I read that you raised mealworms in your college dorm room, which made me equally impressed and curious. How did this start? Like, where did you even get the idea? And what did your roommates and hallmates think? Because I just can't even imagine that happening in the UCSB dorms. <laughs> Yeah, so I went to undergrad at Kansas State University. So, like, in the UCSB dorms, I feel like 
I don't know. Isla Vista is an interesting place. I think maybe that would be something that would fly there. But at Kansas State, you know, it's a big ag school. Lots of people are from very rural parts of Kansas. They love their meat. So to raise insects at K-State's um, campus and in the dorms was something that kind of brought me a lot of attention. But overall, it was really positive. People are in general really excited to try different foods. I found people from all different walks of life. And the first time that I actually ever ate insects, I went to Petco because- Oh my gosh. So I was taking an environmental anthropology class at Kansas State University. And I started researching just the impact of the livestock industry. And I don't know, like when you start realizing just how harmful livestock is to our environment. It makes you really not want to eat meat, right? Very but, true. Yeah, I was thinking like this is something I, I think um, in our area, there are a lot of vegetarians, a lot of vegans, but at Kansas State, this is something that was pretty rare. Like there were very few vegetarians that I met. Um, so I was thinking like, why not add something to our diet? And yeah. at least something that can start us thinking about uh, the issues in a way that's creative, in a way that's fun, in a way that really sparks a lot of conversation. So led me to insects. And I'm in Kansas, right? I yeah. want to try insects for the first time. And there's no place that I can get them except for Petco. So the first time that I ever ate insects, I actually went into Petco and I bought like some crickets that are meant for uh, like... I don't know, snakes, what, not even snakes, what, what eats crickets, like lizards? There we lizards, go. yeah, lizards, frogs, I don't know. Yeah, and so the guy at, at the front, he's like, oh, you have a lizard? I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a oh. lizard. Just just telling him, like, absolute yeah. lies, because I didn't want, not want him to know that I was going to be cooking these up in my oh dorm my room. But I brought them back, and, you know, we have, like, a communal kitchen, and so uh -huh. I cooked them up for the first time. I did this alone for the first time, because it, it was something that, it would have been really weird mm -hmm. um, it was an experience <laughs> yeah but I just got so into it so I actually started growing my own mealworms I ordered um, a batch of mealworms from online and then I created this little system with three drawers for each stage of a mealworms life cycle and I was raising them in my dorm room thank goodness I had a really cool roommate because she was like kind of weirded out at first but she was okay with it but then we started cooking like all sorts of dishes and cookies, yeah. macaroni and cheese in the dorms, and I'm so everyone was trying how that it. Works. How do you even um, like? How would you incorporate mealworms into a recipe? Like I, I can't even imagine that. So the best place to start is just by grinding them up into okay. like a flour, because. A lot of us, when we think insects, we don't want to see the legs, the wings. Um, yeah. Mealworms are something that people are especially freaked out by sometimes because anything that's, I don't know, like maggot looking is something yeah. that we've really been told to stay away from. So grinding them up into a flour is a great option because you can bake them into anything. They don't have the same properties um, as flour. So I usually just use like a quarter cup um, okay. in a cup of flour, but you get all of a sudden, like a lot of protein in your cookies. And it's a way that people can sort of bridge 
um, their way into trying more adventurous oh, insect yeah. foods. It's wonderful. Um, in preparation for this episode, I decided to, insp- I was inspired by uh, the Santa Barbara Bugs Instagram to go to the Ivy Co-op and get some chirps, which uh, for those of you that don't know, I know Mackenzie knows, are cricket chips. And each bag has a whopping 20 grams of protein. I loved them. And I agree that it was a really good gateway food for me. I'm now definitely more willing to try other uh, edible insects. But I had this very interesting social moment where I was so afraid to ask the guy. I said, I finally <laughs> walked up to him and I said, where are your edible insects? Do you sell any? And he pointed me right in the direction. Definitely wouldn't be afraid to ask for like pesto or something, but it was an interesting social dynamic. Like you said at Petco, like, oh yeah, like I have a, yeah, I have a lizard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really weird. But honestly, it's so cool that you found them at Ivy Co-op because I didn't even know that they sold them. And it just really shows how much things are changing. Because when I think... So I, I've only been here for about two years now, a little over two years, and there weren't any edible insects at all anywhere in town. Maybe I, I think chirps were in Ralph's, but mm-hmm. now um, they have them in the Arbor, Ivy Co-op now. Yeah. Um, Old Town Coffee in Goleta was selling cricket protein oh, bars. Oh, Yeah, so we're starting to see them on our shelves. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more normal even these past two years than before that, which is really exciting. Definitely. What are some of your favorite either like products to eat or like meals, you know, that you are cooking them in with? So Chapulinas, uh, that's grasshoppers. So Chapulinas are really popular in parts of Mexico, especially uh, in and around Oaxaca. And these, they're not just plain grasshoppers. Usually the way that they're prepared is with garlic and lime juice and salt. These are amazing. <laughs> really, really good. It, it's kind of like like eating beef jerky, where oh. there's like a lot of flavor um, and a lot of really great texture, but without like the impact of, of yeah. beef jerky. So chocolates are awesome. Honestly, one of my favorites is bee larva, which okay. a lot of people are like, no, we love bees. <laughs> yes, like don't the eat bees. baby bees. Exactly. But honestly, a lot of beekeepers have to throw away a lot of their larvae to maintain mm-hmm. the hive. So these these insects that are thrown away could be eaten or incorporated into the local food system. And they have this fantastic, really buttery taste. So one chef that I worked with actually made like these bee larva buttery grits out of the larva and they were amazing. And there was actually no real butter in there, which was really cool. But they have that buttery taste. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. Um, Are there any specific types of insects that aren't edible or digestible? So there's over 2,000 different types of edible insects. So more often than not, most of the insects that we can think of are going to be edible, but there definitely are some Mm -hmm. that aren't. Um, But honestly, the the insects that we think of as dangerous, like scorpions Mm -hmm. or tarantulas i know those aren't technically those are eaten all over the world when i was in japan they had them on a a stick a scorpion on a stick yeah exactly those are perfectly edible insects you obviously aren't just going to be eating the stinger of a scorpion Mm -hmm. but yeah those are edible insects another one that there was a lot of fear around recently were murder hornets Mm. remember did you see that i did 
Yeah, so murder hornets are totally edible, and they're also eaten in parts of Japan. Um, they're considered a delicacy. They're the larva is eaten, also just the whole hornet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, more often than not, honestly, the insects are going to be edible. But you're not going to want to eat something that you don't know. And wild catching insects is something that um, should always be done with caution because many of our insects eat pesticides. So when people do wild catch insects, they have to keep them separate for a while and feed them other things to sort of get any pesticides out of their system. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely something to consider if anyone is considering going out <laughs> and <laughs> catching do. your own. Uh, let's maybe not. But uh, we've discussed a lot about how they are sustainable, but let's kind of go into more depth in, in that for some of our listeners that might not know. Uh, there, so as we were discussing, uh, insects are already eaten and utilized by, I think, about 2 billion people, mostly in the southern hemisphere um, of our world. And really, what, you know, as we were discussing, our culture needs to slowly start realizing that and moving towards incorporating them into our diets and our food industry because they truly are a really great alternative food source. Uh, so do you want to kind of explain some of the main... Uh, yeah impacts. yeah so i think the best comparison is just looking at the livestock industry because insects are livestock which is always just a funny thing for people to to think about and they honestly are called micro livestock or mini livestock in mm. in the industry world and they really are so it's important to compare them alongside other livestock so definitely when we think about the environmental impact of the livestock industry, we see that it's really contributed to a lot of deforestation. So 26% of the earth's land has been deforested just to provide grazing space for livestock. And a lot of the grain that we produce doesn't go to people. So if we think about high rates of um, hunger, a lot of the grain that we're producing, don't it doesn't go to those people, it actually goes to livestock who then don't um, convert it into more feed for people. So that's about 30% of green production. And they also contribute a lot to greenhouse gas emissions. I think you shared an awesome picture on Instagram from the Chirps website. I did. That shows the farting cows. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's more greenhouse gas than all forms of transportation combined. So when you get in your car and you think like, oh, I should, probably shouldn't drive everywhere. It's like bad for the environment. Eating meat is a lot worse. It's much worse. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a lot of water, a lot of space. It just takes a lot of resources mm -hmm. to produce the amount of meat that we consume. And I think that that is, is pretty well known to a lot of people, just the impact of the industry. But it's less clear what we should do about it. So like we talked about at the beginning, just um, like what are our options for reducing our impact yeah. And insects, they really do provide a great solution. So they can convert feed really quickly and really efficiently into protein. And you can feed them orga um, organic waste. So the material that we don't eat that usually just gets wasted, we could be feeding insects on that organic waste. There's also evidence that shows that mealworms can break down styrofoam, which is oh, awesome, right? That would be amazing. 
Yeah, so it's kind of unclear, like, uh, can we eat them after? Probably not. Probably but, not. <laughs> but yeah. still, like, there's a lot of potential there. Um, yeah, they have, they produce a lot less greenhouse gases, less water, less space, just basically they are a lot more sustainable than other livestock. I'm curious, are, can, is the organic waste that they eat like whole or does it need to be kind of, um, decomposed? Like, could they be fed off of like compost, for example? Yes, they can be fed on compost. Black soldier fly larva is a really great insect that a lot of people are using right now because they can break down compost really well. Mm-hmm. They produce quickly. And then also black soldier fly larva is delicious. So we can eat it. We can also feed it to chickens or um, fish. So it can be reused that way too. That was a que- that was another question that I had um, about uh insects being a real potential to be made into a more sustainable feed for chicken and fish than what is being used now. What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's really true. But I also am a little bit skeptical about saying that that's true or like agreeing with that. But only because I think that once we start saying like, oh, yeah, edible insects are great. Uh, Let's just feed them to our cows and chickens. Um, I think that allows us this, like, I don't know, this, like, scapegoat where we don't have to then think about ourselves eating them or, like, incorporating them into our own diets. So I would just, like, say, like, yeah, they're, they're great for, for other animals as well, uh, but we should also incorporate them into our own diets. I completely agree with that. But I also think that in the process, because I just am I'm trying to imagine, you know, my family switching completely off of meat. And I think there's going to have to be in our culture, just because we are so dependent on that, there's going to have to be that time for the switch. And I hope that as people realize more of the really cool things that insects can do both in our diets and in other aspects, you know, I think it'll be good to raise that awareness that they have other purposes as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we really have that disgust and fear of mm-hmm. insects really, really ingrained yeah. in our culture, just the way that we think about insects. So transitioning is going to be very difficult, but there's some great examples. Like think of sushi. So 50 years ago, no one would in the U.S. would think to eat raw fish. That would be something that would have been considered disgusting but today it's one of a lot of people's favorite foods it's including me (laughs) yeah exactly same with lobster it was considered a disgusting food and now you know you pay like 50 dollars for it at a restaurant so it is possible i think we have some good examples to show that i completely agree with that growing up my favorite types of sushi have been octopus and flying fish eggs which are two of i would say maybe the more visually displeasing um things to eat and so I thought about it I was like you know if I love sushi I am very much willing to travel into the world of insects as well and learn what I can and try what I can because you're right it's not really that different and just getting over that uh, societal pressure it's they're good they're good and they taste good the cricket chips were delicious I love them 100% will be buying them again awesome yeah and it it takes a good taste experience right Mm -hmm. if we're like I don't know sitting in some back alley and some like person just forces us to eat a bug it's not gonna be a fantastic experience but if 
for example, like with sushi, if you sit down at a nice restaurant, you have um, this well-known um, chef who's preparing you this meal mm-hmm. and you have like the full experience. Or if you were like with a community who eats insects traditionally, say like in Oaxaca or in Cambodia mm-hmm. or in Kenya, you eat like mopani worms, then you're going to have a taste experience where you're learning from the people around you and you're really tasting you're not being sort of forced into the boxes of what yeah. we consider to be good or bad food. Definitely. Well, thank you for touching on that. But let's focus. I want to focus on some of like your research in this field and, you know, your path as an anthropologist. So have you always wanted to be an anthropologist? What inspired you to enter this beautiful, wonderful field that we call anthropology? <laughs> so honestly, I have wanted to be an anthropologist since fifth grade. Um, and I don't think a lot of fifth graders even know what an anthropologist yeah. is, but I can remember my social studies textbook and the page where anthropologist was one of the vocabulary words. And honestly, I think this is because the picture of the anthropologist that was in the textbook was of a woman. And now it's my heart. I know. Now I think like we have a lot of awesome women scientists and yes. but you know like growing up in in elementary school in like the early 2000s this was still something that that was very new mm-hmm. and I loved to watch you know National Geographic and I loved biology but uh, there were still very few women scientists shown. And so when I saw that picture, like the fact that I can even remember it to this day, like it really did have an impact on me. And yeah. I'm I'm happy to to be like where I am now on this path, like still pursuing what I wanted to be um, when I flipped to that page in fifth grade. Um, so it, it's been a really, really fantastic journey for me in anthropology. And it's been fun to sort of see my research change and grow. Um, I started my my first two fieldwork experiences. One was in Taos Pueblo in Taos, New Mexico, and Yashuna, which is a small Mayan village in the Mexican Yucatan. One was just an undergrad project and the other was for my master's. Both of these communities really got me interested in the anthropology of food. So I learned so much about local food production and just the importance of food sovereignty and localized food systems. It's really so, fascinating, isn't it? When you go yeah. on the on the the level of a community, a specific community, and seeing how they're you know getting their food. Yeah, exactly. And like these communities weren't eating insects, but they these topics relate so much because when we think about the topic of edible insects, it is one where we're really questioning this broader food system and the issues that are embedded in the food system today and the potentials for changing that. So that's sort of been like my my journey in anthropology and I'm excited to to move forward. That's wonderful. And well, I just want you to know that now, you know, you can hopefully be a woman that some kid sees in science doing amazing things. So congrats on, you know, accomplishing that and that you definitely are in that position. And that's really a cool thing. So uh, I think you're amazing and cool. So I'm sure I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Thank you. 
Um, so what currently are you working on? I know things are a little delayed with COVID, but. Yeah, so I just finished up a big review article where I was really looking at edible insect industrialization. And I did this review of all the, the public publications on industrialization from Which we will have linked below, everyone. Ooh, yeah, thank you. Um, and that I learned so much and it really showed me just how intensive insect production is becoming. And that also really has gotten me more interested in that localized perspective and thinking more about the importance of local food production. So really my, what I'm doing right now is attempting to start, this is kind of not even like part of my academic work. It's trying to sort of bridge my academic work with more of like a public facing mm -hmm. um, project. So I started Santa Barbara Bugs and I really just want it to be this space for people to people in our local community to engage with the topic of edible insects and to potentially in the future start an edible insect farm, maybe um, on campus or through the co-op, something like IV based. I think that that would be really cool because if if we're talking about all these problems with the global food system, edible insects can't just be something that we just fit like a puzzle piece right into that global food system and we just like start um producing insects alongside all the same mechanisms that are being very like harmful to the environment and to people in general so i think that local perspective is really important and i think that we can do a lot on the ground right here in our community to oh definitely and raising awareness and getting people exposed to the idea some people that may have never even considered maybe don't even know that at a insects are edible you know um i think that i think people here would love that so definitely count me and i will help you with that insect farm all right so yes. write your name down you're, <laughs> you're the manager yes what is one thing you think everyone should know about edible insects like your one little tidbit that you think everybody should um so i think the most important thing when people are starting to experiment with insects or they come across the topic is just to realize the variation of edible insects and just the variation of flavors. So a lot of people, they will try like one dried, like super, super dried mealworm. And they're like, okay, I tried edible insects. I guess they're fine. Done with that. But that's like eating some like overcooked carrot and then saying mm -hmm. okay i've tried all the vegetables they're fine <laughs> but there are so many flavors that insects have um everything from like charred bacon to there's one insect the bamboo waxworm that tastes cold which doesn't make sense to have something taste cold but that like taste or like the coldness that you get from eating mint it's kind of like that or like Ooh, a that's yeah cool. yeah there's like really this whole like fresh space for experimentation and creativity that exists. So I encourage people just to um, find or seek out more than just a dried cricket or mealworm. That's one thing I'd like people to know. Yes, definitely. I agree with that. Explore the options just like you would with any other type of food. And um, this isn't something I was planning to ask you about, but if you don't mind uh, the the Ivy Ethnobotany Project was something that I utilized a lot in uh, Dr. Jeff Hawley's environmental anthropology class. This for virtual 
um, instruction. And because a lot of our exercises asked us to go on out in the field and, you know, examine the environment around us. And I wanted to, I know you helped create that. What was that like? And has it been, what have the results have you seen from it? Oh, it's been so fantastic because, you know, our student body and just other people in the IV community, they are really, they care about the environment. They're really interested Mm -hmm. in learning about different plants. And I think a lot of the education that we get is sort of hands-off. Like we, um, I don't know, in like botany classes, we learn about plants, but you don't walk around your neighborhood, for example, and question what plants are there and whether or not they're edible and what other communities in the world maybe eat or use these plants. So it's been so fun. Like, it's like we talked about just that localized perspective. Mm -hmm. You're seeing something that is like maybe a weed growing in your parking lot and you dig into where that weed comes from, why it's there, what uses it has. And it's, it's just a really exciting way to get to yeah. know people in the area and to get to know the plants. The uses were my favorite part. Uh, you know, the medicinal uses, plants that I never would have assumed would have been edible or um, had like a cultural significance. Like, you know, the chumash in our same area maybe used it for X, Y, and Z. And that was so cool just to be able to explore that. So I definitely encourage our listeners to check out the Ivy Ethnobotany Project, especially if you are local to Ivy, because it has a lot of really interesting information. And I think we can all appreciate where we are more once we know more about it and connect to the, like you said, connect to what we're being surrounded with. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm going to have everything for Mackenzie linked below so that you guys can learn more, explore more. I definitely challenge, I think we both challenge you to maybe try an edible insect or two. Like she said, don't give up at first. Maybe look into ones that, I don't know, like you said, taste like bacon, if that's (laughs) going to be your gateway and check out chirps. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Gabby.